good to be with all of you today. The words washed over me like the first drizzle on a parched land. Though you have broken your vows a thousand times, though you have broken your vows a thousand times, though you have broken your vows a thousand times. The rhythmic repetition of the congregation singing in unison began to settle into my body and nourish a place in my spirit I hadn't known was thirsty. The verse continued, washing in and out like the tide, while other voices sang from above, come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshiper, lover of leaving, ours is no caravan of despair, come, yet again, come. Though you have broken your vows a thousand times, come, yet again, come. A sense of sweetness came upon my heart and I allowed the words to soothe me. I was sitting in the pew of the UU Church of Worcester, Massachusetts, celebrating the soulful sundown service. The minister, the Reverend Aaron Payson, had invited us to join in singing the missing line from Rumi's poem, the one which does not appear in our hymnal. I think I understand why Rumi's verse about breaking vows does not appear in our song. <laughs> I spoke of this a while ago. Um, I speak of this many times. The tendency of Unitarian Universalism as a whole to avoid all things relating to sin, confession, and forgiveness, often to our own detriment. When humans have been hurt by something or someone, we tend to reject that which has hurt us. Often we go so far as to reject anything that even reminds us of what has hurt us. And we Unitarian Universalists have been hurt. So many of us have been hurt by our own religious past or have witnessed the harm done to others. Too often, Religious authorities, theological language, and liturgical symbols have been used to incite feelings of guilt or shame in their followers or even unknown bystanders that it is understandable, even healthy, for us to reject those same authorities and symbols. This is one way we humans protect ourselves, after all, by refusing to take on guilt and shame that is not rightfully our own. Yet, this self-protective action can also come at a price. We can close ourselves down, refuse to hear or try to understand that which scares us, and so reject the good and beneficial, which may be mixed in and amongst the harmful, or simply resembles the harmful in some tangential way. So while we UUs tend to avoid topics like confession or brokenness or guilt or forgiveness, sometimes, though, sometimes I think we get it right. The worship leaders at that soulful sundown service I went to that time got it right. I needed to hear that message that night, though I have broken my vows a thousand times, as surely I have done 
I still must come. I still must approach. I still must join with. I still must return over and over again. I belong even in my brokenness. I am seen for all of who I am, even the less than perfect parts. And I am accepted, not, not in spite of, but because of my imperfections. This is a message of hope and strength, not one of shame or guilt. And this is a message we all need to hear. We belong, even in our brokenness. We belong. We use are usually pretty good at affirming ourselves and each other, whoever we are, no matter our gender or orientation or ethnicity or class or other type of identity. But that's just a start. That's the easy stuff. Because there isn't anything actually wrong with our gender or orientation or ethnicity or class or other identity. It is easy to affirm that which is already worthy. To truly affirm ourselves and each other, we must also accept our brokenness. We must accept the parts that feel out of alignment with who we understand ourselves to be and who we hope to become. We must also accept our brokenness. Only from there can we begin to seek wholeness. Which brings me to UU theology and an introduction of Tandeika. I first met the Reverend Dr. Tandeika on Star Island, a UU and UCC combined camp and conference center off the coast of New Hampshire well over a decade ago. She was then a professor at one of our UU seminaries, Meadville Lombard Theological School, and she is a Unitarian Universalist theologian. Yes, we have them. <laughs> morning after morning, just after breakfast for an entire week, I listened to Tandeika lecture on a system of thought she termed affect theology. She traced its evolution from Friedrich Schleiermacher through George de Beneville and William Ellery Channing and up to her own refined application to contemporary Unitarian Universalism. Affect theology is an incredibly complex system of thought based on neurobiology, psychology, child development, anthropology, and theology. It is also an umbrella theology a single theology that has the inherent ability to overarch or encompass all of our individual theologies and philosophies of life. Yes, all of them. Whether you consider yourself to be a UU humanist, a UU Jew, a UU Buddhist, a UU Christian, a UU atheist, a UU pagan, or a plain old UU, there is a home for you within the af umbrella of affect theology. It is a theology to which we all belong. In hearing Tandeika speak over the course of that week, I was both fascinated intellectually and settled, uh, unsettled emotionally. 
Somehow I felt like my body knew the truth of her words in a way I could not articulate. Her words sounded vaguely familiar. Her words almost taunted me. So ever the researcher I am, once I returned from the island, I decided to compare what I had learned about affect theology to my very own recently written credo statement. It was with that reading and in that moment that I became a believer. How often do you hear a UUU minister say that? I became a believer. <laughs> I became a believer. And ever since, affect theology has been formational in the way that I think theologically, in the way that I grow spiritually, and in the ways that I teach and minister. So what is affect theology all about, and how does it work? Let's imagine ourselves embarking on a journey, a journey on which we search together for truth and meaning, a journey on which we encourage one another to spiritual growth, a journey toward wholeness, a journey toward belonging, a lifelong journey. We begin this journey in the base of our brains. This is where our brains receive both external and internal sensory input. We see, hear, taste, smell, and touch. Here we begin to be aware that our hearts are racing, that our bodies are feeling pain, that our skin is sweating, that our muscles are relaxing. To hearken back to my soulful sundown experience, I heard the music, a familiar melody with a new descants weaving in and out and among the notes well loved. I felt the vibrations of dozens of others singing along with me. I saw candles lit and flickering in a darkened and beautiful sanctuary. Our bodily experiences are foundational in the way that we live out our faith lives. Affect theology is an embodied theology. Next, and second on our journey, we move a bit farther up our brain stems to where our emotional responses occur. First, we experience sensory input within our bodies. Now we experience emotions which we feel about these same sensory experiences. I felt emotions about my worship experience, not all of which were nameable, but include feelings of comfort, relief, nourishment, reassurance, and gratitude. Next and third on our journey, we move even farther up our brains and into the neocortex, the most recently evolved portion of our brains, the center of thinking, reasoning, and logic. Here it is that we think about our bodily sensory experiences and the emotions we have felt about those experiences. Here it is that I do the work of reflection and meaning making I make sense of and come to an under intellectual understanding of my soulful sundown worship experience by thinking through that experience. I think about the contrast between Unitarian Universalism and Sufism and the importance each religion places on making and keeping vows and what it might mean to break those same vows. I think about the making, keeping, and breaking of vows and how that might 
relate to traditional Jewish and Christian theological concepts of sin, forgiveness, and confession. And I think about the relative lack of some of those traditional same theological concepts within Unitarian Universalism and what that might mean for us as a faith tradition. Finally, with the next and fourth step on our journey, we move to the last component of affect theology, which is our actions. That is to say, we have sensory experiences, emotions we feel about those experiences, thoughts we think about what we experience and feel, and actions which we undertake as we interact with the world, as we live our lives. I act by admitting my mistakes, apologizing, and asking for forgiveness, and changing my future behavior. I act by writing and delivering this sermon. Sensory input, emotions, thoughts, actions. According to Tandeyake, it is only when these four components, sensory input, emotions, thoughts, and actions are in alignment, it is only then when we are in alignment, when we can feel whole, when we can feel fulfillment. When these four components of our lives are out of alignment, when our thoughts don't match our actions and our feelings don't match our thoughts, we feel broken, disaffected, fragmented, disembodied. Affect theology is a path to leading a life of healing and wholeness and of fulfillment, a journey which we can all choose to take regardless of our individual belief systems. In some ways, it's simple to understand. Sensory input, emotions, thoughts, actions, all in alignment. But it's not actually easy to do and will never be finally or fully accomplished by anyone. And so it is that I believe in being fully present to those who I am with, yet sometimes I find myself feeling impatient or becoming lost in thought. And so it is that I believe in making careful, considered, and ethical choices when shopping, yet I sometimes find myself choosing the easiest or least expensive option rather than the most ethical one. For each piece we snap into place, there are more to be sorted as we continually put together the puzzle we call life and journey onward. That is why we need each other to help sort the puzzle pieces, to support and encourage one another, to call each other back into alignment. And by that, I mean, I ask you to call me back into alignment with myself. That's the beauty, the absolute beauty at the center of this theology. I ask you, my atheist friend, to call me back into alignment with my panentheistic self, not your atheistic self. And you, you ask your Christian friend to call you back into alignment with your pagan self. No one's individual theology or philosophy need threaten another. I need you to hear this. 
because the survival of our faith tradition depends on them. No one's theology or philosophy of life need threaten another's. What we need is each other. What we need is a faith community to which we can belong. In other words, as individuals incorporating affect theology into our understanding of ourselves as whole or even holy beings is certainly adequate for living a moral and ethical life. We can use this system of thought to see a way toward becoming more ethically consistent in the totality of our individual being. We can use this system of thought in a spiritual practice of self-examination and self-culture. Yet as important as it is that the work that individuals do, it is not enough. I believe that on a certain fundamental level of reality, any concept of ourselves as individuals becomes unhelpful, perhaps even inaccurate. We can only truly and fully understand ourselves in relation to others. We are intimately connected on the interdependent web of life. The change in any one is felt by all. I'll say a little more using Tandeika's own words. In writing about a need for a language of reverence, she defines the symbol of salvation within the context of affect theology in this way. Human salvation is thus a corporate affair. We were not conceived, born, or individuated alone. If others did not exist, including the wider world of nature and the universe, we would not be here. We could not be here. A basic ecobiological law of nature is that organisms cannot flourish without an environment that nurtures, sustains, and enhances their developmental continuity through life-affirming relationships. Our human affections are thus deeply private and utterly social. We feel the world upon us and within us. The world stirs our affections. We are a pulse of its life. We Unitarian Universalists have covenanted together as congregations and relationship to other congregations of Unitarian Universalists to encourage and support, support one another in our mutual quest for spiritual growth as we each engage in a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. And so when the search for truth and meaning becomes difficult, when we find ourselves living too much in our heads or too much in our hearts, we can remind each other of our need for balance, our need for alignment. Body, heart, mind, will, spirit, all are essential on our path to healing and wholeness. After all, we are all disaffected, disembodied, or broken in some way. This is the natural order of life and the result of our all-too-human experiences. 
If we were not, we would be inhumanly perfect, and no one is. Tandeika reminds us we were not broken alone, and we cannot heal alone. It takes a religious community to heal a broken soul. In other words, we need each other. As Unitarian Universalists, we have long struggled in finding a foundation for our liberal theology. Louis B. Fisher said back in 1921, Universalists are often asked to tell where they stand. The only true answer to give to this question is that we do not stand at all, we move. This captures something quintessentially true about liberal theology, that our theology lives and grows and changes. Our theology is constantly in the process of becoming. Tandeika demonstrates that with affect theology, our search for a foundation may be over. The foundation of affect theology actually rests outside of theology and within the field of science. Human experience is understood through the lens of neurobiology. As people of liberal faith, we are not likely to ever plant our feet in a cement-like faith. But here we can find a place to rest, a place to find the ground beneath our feet, a place to stop our seemingly endless wandering. Here within the warm embrace of affect theology, we can move forward together with purpose as we join with each other on a lifelong journey of becoming and of belonging. May it be so. Amen.